Hello everybody, welcome. Welcome to the Friday Night Talk. Today's talk is Turn Trauma into Growth. Um, and we've specifically asked our speaker to join us and share tools on the following ideas. Um, how to better understand and overcome the effects of trauma. Is it possible to open up a space for healing and open the door to resilience? Is it possible to find meaning and purpose in adversity? Rather than running from things, um, staying with it and growing through it. And then finally, how do we turn trauma into strength and growth? Christina is joining us um, from South Miami. Oh no, South Florida, sorry, South Florida. She's a meditation teacher, an author, a holistic health coach, as well as a practitioner. She's been specializing in creating customized wellness journeys for individuals, as well as for um, groups of people. And it's focusing on building a nurturing relationship with the self. Christina is going to share with us for around 40 minutes and then she'll do a short meditation, just three minutes. And then after that, she'll be taking your questions. If you'd like to put your questions in the question and answer link or in the chat, I will then take those questions and put them to Christina on your behalf. Christina, over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Artiben. Wonderful. So this is such a wide-ranging topic, trauma and turning trauma into growth. And it's something that I do have experience with because in my life I had several traumatic events, um, especially as a teenager, that really forced me to find that strength in me to reestablish my stability in the world and reestablish my faith in myself and in the world. And I feel that in my experience, you know, trauma was a shock. It was the experience of shock, which happened from disbalancing events that happened in my life. And those very abrupt changes created um, a sort of a destruction of what I knew of my safety and security in life. And so I think trauma is like that for each individual. It is this abrupt change that changes what you know as your status quo in life or where you're comfortable and where you feel secure. And how we deal with that trauma depends a lot on our resilience, how much resilience we have. And our resilience depends on a lot of different factors. Um, how well we know ourselves, our value system. It depends on what kind of support system we have around us. If we have established in our life, our belief system. And so all of these factors depend on how much resilience we have in a situation, as well as how many 
of these uh, stable systems in our life were affected by the traumatic event. So if say we have the stability of knowing who we are and having a belief system already, um, and the traumatic event upsets a physical aspect of our life, like maybe a place to live or an aspect with our health, if we have in place these other structures of support within ourselves and our community, then it's easier to be resilient in the face of that trauma. But sometimes a trauma, it shakes us to the very core of our belief system, right? Or it shakes us to the core of knowing who we are, trusting in others, trusting in the universe. And so trauma is very individual in that way that how we respond to it will depend on how many of our support structures it is affecting, right? And what is traumatic to one person may seem minimal and, and not such a big deal to another. Um, and this is all based on our previous experience with trauma, how many times um, our stability in life has been upset in the past or not. And so it's really important for us to approach trauma that we experience or trauma that other people experience with a lot of understanding, a lot of care, and coming from a fresh perspective every time we encounter it, right? Because we could have 50 situations we've been resilient in, and then suddenly one that we're not, and, and same for other people. Um, so I like to think of it like we have a pre-trauma place. Let's, let's call that we're in place A. This is pre-trauma. So in place A, we have all the structures of stability around us. We have our comfort zone and we've learned to live comfortably in this place, in place A. So when, when a traumatic event happens and comes, we get removed from place A and we're in place B. And place B is not somewhere we've chosen to be. It is out of our comfort zone. And we are in place B because of the shock. We are in place B because place A that was comfortable and safe has been somehow taken away from us. So in place B, this is where we're dealing with the trauma and the shock. And in place C is the place we can get to in the future. Place C is where we can take this trauma and these abrupt events and turn it into growth, into um, new realizations about life, into new directions and things like that. We can turn it into strength and move forward in our life. But we must fully acknowledge this place B because sometimes what happens is when there is a traumatic event or an abrupt event, abrupt change in our status quo, then we can sort of live in limbo, somewhere between A and B, somewhere we don't want to let go of the pre-traumatic um, <clears throat> circumstances. When we had the stability or we knew everything, everything was a known factor, for example. And so we can stay attached to that place A and not be comfortable in place B, which is place B is the, the place we're in, the uninvited place we're in, <clears throat> pardon me 
place B, this uninvited place that we're in, um, is very uncomfortable compared to place A, right? So we can kind of stay in between place A and B longing for the past of what was known and comfortable and very uncomfortable being in place B that is, that is everything is new, everything is different. We don't know what's gonna happen next. But place B is the place where we turn the trauma into growth. And once we do that, we can move on to place C, which is going to be our new normal, our new st stability. That's gonna be where we are able to use our strengths now to build the life we want again, right? Um, so place B is where we're gonna focus on, is this place where my life is no longer what it was and it's not what I want it to be, but I'm sitting here in the loss of place A my stable place and you know we there's many examples we can give of this but let's give a couple of different examples um so let's say that we were recently diagnosed with a lifelong illness right so that is a, a moment when we are in place b we are no longer in place a which was before the diagnosis um, which maybe we had some health issues, but we didn't have necessarily a, a tag, you know, like a description with it. We didn't know sort of the long ranging effects of the illness, let's say. So we were still hopeful, maybe a little bit confused, but we still were still in place A. But when we're in place B, the trauma and the shock of getting some kind of a major diagnosis with our health, it can be so, so shocking because it means that everything we imagined for our life pre-trauma of this diagnosis has now changed. And our safety and stability in one of the most primal areas of our life, which is our body, which is being able to live a healthy life, that, that could be shaken, right? And so in place B, we're sitting now with this new reality of this diagnosis. And we wanna to get to place C, which is our new normal, where we can learn to take whatever's happening and use our strengths to then build the life that can be the best life we can under those circumstances. But first we have to sit in place B and we have to feel the loss of place A, the pre-trauma state, which was that we didn't know we had this lifelong illness. So in place B, we have to be able to really let go of place A. And for that, we have to feel through the loss. So we'll come back to that. I'll just give another example. Um, so place A could be, if we think about what's going on in Ukraine, place A could be, I had a home, I had a job, um, I had money in the bank, I had a stable country. And place B is, I don't have a job, I don't have my home, my money has been frozen, and my country is in upheaval and I have to leave to get asylum somewhere else. So you can see how these are a whole clump of traumatic events that makes this state of um, unknown that I'm in much bigger because it affects a lot of areas of my survival and safety, right? So the pre-trauma state is the state of 
having safety and security in all of these ways. And the trauma state is the loss of all of those things, right? So what one needs to do in the middle of that trauma is be allowed to feel the loss of state A, of that place they were when everything was good. They need to be able to accept and be present with what is happening, right? So to realize, okay, I've lost this, I've lost that, I've lost this, and it's very traumatic and it's very shocking and it's very difficult to be here. But being present in that trauma is what is going to allow the person to sort of mourn that pre-trauma state that they had. And after they mourn that pre-trauma state and after they accept what's happened, they can then move on to the, to the, the third place, which is where they start to build back their life which is where they start to realize that they can make it to the other side of this trauma, that they do have the strength, the capacity, the support systems around them to come out on the other side of the trauma. And a lot of times that's a really important step that we can see the strength in ourselves. We can see our ability to survive. And once we do that, then we can start to thrive, right? And we'll talk a little bit more later because there's a lot of gifts that come with post-traumatic healing that can help us and help others and in our life going forward. But in this state B, where we are mourning the loss of our pre-traumatic event or events, what is it that we need to do here? What is it we need to do here for ourselves and for other people around us? Because we are in a time where there, there are a lot of traumatic events individually for ourselves and for the world and for the people we know. So we all need to know how to be able to move through trauma to be able to help people be present with their trauma. Because the fastest way that we can get onto the healing aspect that we can move on to the next phase of our life is when we accept what's happening. And so for that, um, there are some steps we can take. And so when we talk about this, I want you to think about yourself, if a traumatic event were happening to you and also others, because it applies in both ways. And whatever way that we treat ourselves in these kind of circumstances will also treat others in a similar way, right? So the first thing that we want to do when we're going through trauma or someone else is going through trauma is just be totally present. So totally present with yourself, totally present with the other. And when we're present, we want to become heart-centered. So that means going out of our head and out of the ego mind, which wants to analyze and fix everything. Because in a traumatic situation, in the moment of trauma, when someone is experiencing trauma, they need to be able to feel what they're feeling. So we want to be in our heart with our own self if we're experiencing some trauma or with another human being. So when we can come into a, a feeling space and be present with ourselves or with someone else, it makes a big difference. Because 
in that moment when we're experiencing fear, loss, pain, you know, all of the things that come with trauma, um, we need to be able to feel it to heal it. And we need to be able to be allowed to feel that thing. We need other people to allow us to be seen in what we're feeling. Because we know that the more we suppress an experience or feeling, it's just going to go underground and sort of fester and come out in other ways, right? Our fears that we haven't felt, they will overtake our life in other ways. So the fastest way through to healing any traumatic event is to be allowed to feel that thing, which is why for ourselves, if we're going through a traumatic event or someone we're with, we don't want to jump in and try to fix their pain with our mind. We don't want to. Now, that doesn't mean if someone is in need of food or shelter that we don't act. That's not what we're talking about. But it's more around the aspect of when we're feeling the, the emotions of trauma, that in those moments, we don't want to jump in and try to placate or minimize the way that someone is feeling or the way that we're feeling ourselves, right? Because you can't think positive thoughts and think away the, the kind of fear and pain that happens within ourselves on many levels when there's a traumatic event. The only way to move through it is to actually be present with it. And it's just like animals, you know, when they go through a life-threatening situation, they shake a lot of different kind of species. They do this shaking. It's like they're, they're letting go of the vibrations of that trauma. They are allowing the energy of the trauma to dissipate by fully feeling it. Um, and so it's a similar thing. We don't shake as human, human beings, but when the energy of this emotion of trauma is present, what we need to be able to do is be able to feel it and to be able to feel it in a safe space, um, in a container, you know, that allows us to feel. And so in those situations where we're still in the midst of a loss or of a traumatic experience, the best thing we can do for ourselves, if we're talking about our own trauma, is to become really quiet and present and feel whatever it is that needs to move through our system and just allow it to be. And sometimes this can be difficult to do alone. And so you might want to have somebody with you. Um, and it just depends on, you know, if you feel comfortable feeling that alone or you need somebody with you. But the, the easiest and the fastest way through it is to feel it completely. And what we want to do is have no judgment around what we're feeling because the mind wants to jump in when we're feeling something that doesn't feel good, that feels painful. It wants to jump in and make a story around the pain because the mind, it's the ego is sort of trying to take us away from the pain. So it, because it's thinks that we're going to be hurt by the pain, it's, it's a survival mechanism. But that only sort of elongates the process, right? So when we're feeling our feelings that don't feel good, the pain, the fear, the loss, we, we need to be able to feel it completely, to be present with it, and to, to see ourselves going through that process and being able to come out on the other side of it, 
to see that we've gone through this loss, this pain, this fear. And on the other side of it, we're still there. We're still alive. And that we had the strength to go through this process, right? And when we're dealing with other people that are going through trauma, it's, it's really important with them to not try to fix what they're feeling, but to rather just listen, listen to them deeply, try to have understanding, put yourself in their shoes. And the things that, that are helpful for someone to hear is, are things like, I can understand how you feel that way, or I feel the pain that you're describing, or, you know, things that allow the person to continue to be with their traumatic experience and allowing them to be seen in that, allowing them to move through it, right? So they can get to the other side of that trauma. Once they go through the portion of loss of this pre-traumatic place, which is place A, we can call it, right? So when, when people are in that place and really just need to be allowed to feel the space they're in now, the loss of the previous place they were in, when someone is there to really listen to you with an open heart, non-judgmentally, not jumping in with their own stories, and it makes a big difference. It's actually quite healing to just be allowed to be, to feel where it is we're at and to be seen in that. And every single person that goes through trauma has different ways that they will heal from that trauma, right? Um, there, some people will want to go to therapy. Some people will want to do some kind of group work. Some people will do meditation. And a lot of people will combine a lot of these healing modalities, right? Um, usually we need more than one modality to heal trauma, but in the moment when the trauma is present, it's still very fresh. That's when we need to sort of learn how to be really available to ourselves and to other people. And so this listening, not judgmentally is something that we can practice with ourselves when we're feeling uncomfortable or there's something shocking happening around us or in our life, we can learn to just become more silent and listen. Listen, what am I feeling in this moment? You know, what is my body feeling? What am I feeling emotionally? What am I feeling energetically? And once we listen to what it is we're feeling, we can actually check then what is it that I need right now, right? Um, because so often the mind wants to give us an escape from anything that's less than pleasant. And so when we learn this practice of just listening to what we're feeling and being present with it, what we notice is that those feelings of fear, of sadness, they actually dissipate a lot more quickly when we simply allow ourselves to be present with them, when we allow those energies to be felt, and then very quickly we can realize a space sort of opens up for the next step for us, for the solution, for what it is that we need next. And so likewise, we do this for ourselves to give us ourselves a space to feel and heal. And likewise with someone else, when they're in the middle of a trauma, and you just listen, 
just listen to what they need to share. And at some point, if it's appropriate, you know, you can ask them questions like, you know, what is it that you feel you need right now? And this is much more beneficial than giving solutions. Um, because a lot of times in the midst of trauma, we already feel sort of a sense of powerlessness in the moment, because what was our pre-trauma state has been taken away from us, right? That sense of stability we had is no longer there, and it, we didn't voluntarily give our stability away, but it was taken away, so it's shocking to us. And so we feel, in a sense, there's a bit of a disempowerment there. So it's really important when we listen fully to other people when they're going through the midst of their traumatic experience and when we ask them what they need this is allowing us to re-empower them to re-empower them and when we do the same for ourselves we re-empower ourselves by instead of thinking we have to find the solution for them we allow that inner wisdom within their being that is there to come up with what is next. What is the next thing that's going to stabilize the self? Because often when we're outside of a situation, we can see like, you know, way down the road, um, this person needs, you know, all these different things to get on their feet, for example. But in the midst of a trauma, it is stepwise, right? So when we ask, what is it we need right now? the most important need will come up. And once that most important need is fulfilled, then we can move on to the second step and the third step, etc. So it's the same with ourself, right? When we are experiencing a traumatic event, a shocking event, and we listen into ourselves, we feel the feelings, we feel the loss, we feel the sadness, whatever's there. And then we ask the self, what is it I need right now? So that is the first step for us to take a proactive approach towards our healing is by just listening in and seeing what's needed. And maybe it's a hug, right? Maybe our mind wants to think, oh, we need this, 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 and that, but maybe we need a hug. And when we're quiet and we listen from inside what we need, it will become clear. It will become clear what it is we need to do next. And this inner wisdom, this intuitive wisdom going towards our own stability and healing again, it's present in all of us. So when we become quiet and we listen what's happening inside and we be present with it, we will get the next step of what we need to do to go towards our health, our happiness. And likewise, other people will too. Um, and I think this is something we sort of have to ingrain in ourselves and practice again and again, because our sort of our knee-jerk reaction is to try to fix situations. And it's, it's all, we have good intentions, right? But just like when we're feeling our own uncomfortable feelings, our mind jumps in to try to find solutions rather than letting us feel what we need to feel so we can move on. So similarly, when we're with other people going through difficult situations, and especially the more that we care about them or we're connected to the person or the situation, the more our mind will try to jump in with solutions. And what happens when we do that 
is we negate the fact that there is an inner wisdom in this person that knows the next best step for their own stability, for their own healing, towards finding again a place where they can feel and heal this trauma and then move forward and take whatever lessons they're learning from that trauma and use that now to create their new normal, right? Their new normal, because that's what happens when we get past the time of trauma and we're allowed to feel through it. We start to take these baby steps towards our new normal. But the important thing for that is that we feel we've created it because we have felt in a traumatic situation like a victim from our previous condition being taken away from us. So sort of a victim of circumstance. So for us to feel the strength of and the growth coming from the trauma and the discombobulation of the situation, we have to take these steps ourselves and we have to feel, and it's not that others can't help us, absolutely. Um, having a support system um, is very important when, when you are sort of, especially depending on how extensive the traumatic experience is and how many systems of our stability it's taken away, then that will depend on how much support we need. But the support systems outside of us, they need to support us being in our power, being allowed to feel what we feel, and taking those steps in the order that we need to take them. Because by doing that, we reaffirm to ourselves our ability to come out of this trauma and our ability to take and receive the help of others and create a new stability, a new normal for ourselves. And so, you know, this is going to depend on the amount of time we're in sort of the traumatic experience and to where we've gotten to the new place of stability. It's going to depend on a lot of factors. It's going to depend on how many of our systems of stability have been taken away it's going to depend on what age we are, right? Because adults, adults tend to have more of their security and safety in place, right? So they tend to have a belief system already. They know who they are more, whereas children don't have all of that yet. And so it can take children a longer time to develop that new sense of safety and security. And another thing that can happen is when there is a current trauma, it can, it, it can sort of bring up old past traumas that haven't been resolved, right? So sometimes a situation feels much bigger or more traumatic than it actually is in the moment. And that becomes a situation where the trauma can actually give us a chance to heal those traumas in the past that were not healed, right? So as we move towards our growth and healing as we start to know that we're going to be able to come out of this that we're going to be able to feel through the pain and the loss and we're going to be able to come out the other side so then as we come out the other side which can have so many different paths sometimes we end up our whole belief system changes our our entire we go on a self-seeking journey because Sometimes the trauma has upended our very 
understanding of ourselves or of the world, of our trust in the world. So we have to go through this whole process, however long it takes and whatever are the different healing modalities we need. But eventually we can come to the other side of this where the trauma has provided the ground, that fertile ground for us to, to make changes to maybe look more deeply into ourselves and understanding ourselves and the people around us than we did before. It can make us more compassionate and empathetic to other people because we understand what it's like now to go through a traumatic experience. So there are many ways that trauma can transform us, right? It can send us on, you know, into directions and on journeys and it can actually deepen our trust in the world and humanity, especially if there are supportive people and systems around us, we can learn post-trauma that we actually are very supported in this universe. And as we see our own strength coming through that trauma, we can have that realization that there's more power in ourselves than we previously knew. What we thought we could never withstand that we withstood that. And so there is a lot of benefit to coming beyond the trauma, to getting now to the new normal, to the new stable, right? And you might, we might think, well, what about people that do not come through trauma in that way? They do not feel more strong at the end of it and feel like they've overcome the obstacles and things like that. So sometimes we stay sort of in this place of missing the pre-trauma state and being sort of traumatized. And also a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to feel through the trauma, to feel through the loss. And so that is, that's a tricky area, right? where we're, we're longing for how life was. We're not accepting the new, the, the place B that we're in, which is a loss of place A. And so we kind of stay in this state of longing, this state of frustration, depression, that things have changed. And that's why the acceptance of where we're at in this moment and feeling everything we need to feel, having the, capacity and the people around us that allow us to feel the loss of our pre-traumatic state, that's why it's so crucial. Because when we can fully start to accept and let go of what happened, then we can move forward. Then we can restructure our lives, our understanding of life, and move on to our, our next new normal, whatever that is. So it's important to have people around you and to be a person around other people who allows people to be just where they're at and to love and listen to them unconditionally without judgment, see them for what they're feeling. Don't try to rescue or fix somebody who is going through a transition of loss of one thing and they're in the next stage. Just being really present, really, really loving, really understanding. This is really what we need to do for ourselves and others. Because when we have the environment of that love, then what's gonna happen is there's a strength, there's a stability that's under us now. The support of that love and understanding 
allows us to have the platform to move forward, the platform to start to look for solutions, right? Because we know, okay, I'm, I have these people around me that see and understand where I'm at. And in the midst of my pain and trauma, they still love and support me. And so it also adds to our self-worth, right? That we're allowed to be in this vulnerable place and we are still loved just as much in that vulnerable place. And it gives us that hope and that strength to move forward towards what we need to do next. So I thought, I know it's not quite time yet, but I thought during the meditation portion, um, we could do an exercise with ourselves where we really become very present with what we're feeling and we listen. We listen to what we're feeling. We listen deeply without judgment. And then we find out what it is we need next. And we listen to the answer from within because the more we can practice this being present and loving with the self, the more we'll do it with others. And as we are present with, with whatever we're feeling, it moves through us very quickly and nothing gets stuck in that sense. We can keep flowing, we can keep growing and the way that life is presenting us the situations or the challenges to learn from. So this is um, a lot of what was coming to my mind and I wanted to ask Sister Arthi. Hi. If, should I keep going or would you like to to come in with questions. Um, could we do the meditation that you're suggesting and then we'll take the questions. Okay, yes. So sitting quietly. And this meditation, we are not going to think positive thoughts this time. We're not going to take ourselves to a place of peace in our mind. There is time and place for that for sure. But in this meditation, I want you just to start by feeling your breath. Feel your breath go all the way into your belly. Becoming present with your body. And I want you to mentally scan your physical body. See what you're feeling in your body in this moment. Just be present with it. Is there anywhere in your body that is in discomfort or that needs your attention in this moment? And whatever is there in your body, just observe it without any judgments, any thoughts. And take all your awareness to that place in your body. And just feel whatever it's feeling in this moment. Just be present with it, just listen to it. Letting that part of your body know you are there with it. You see it, you feel it.
and see if just by acknowledging what that part of the body is feeling, if it changes anything. And ask that part of your body in this moment what it needs from you right now. Is there anything it needs from you? And allow it to have that. And now take a moment and become fully aware of what you're feeling in this moment. What emotions are there? What, what's present? Are you feeling peaceful? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling excited? Whatever you're feeling, just be fully present with that without judgments. with love, fully accepting whatever is present. So now that you've seen and felt these emotions that are present, ask these feelings if they need anything from you in this moment. and allow them to have that. And likewise, energetically, become aware right now what you're feeling energetically in your body, around your body, on the subtle level, what are you experiencing? Maybe you feel more energy or less energy. Everything is okay. Nothing is wrong. And ask the energy within and around you if it needs anything from you in this moment. And allow it to have that. And now come to the part of you that is the one observing all of this, the observer within. The one that's listening and responding. And see how you were able to be fully present with all these aspects of yourself without judgment, with love just allowing them to be and see how that might have been transformative in this moment. And slowly come back to this room, this Zoom room. 
And what we see here, when we become really present with what we're feeling, physically, emotionally, energetically, is that just the act of feeling what we feel, seeing it, acknowledging it, it's actually quite transformative. So we can learn to do this with ourselves and see how quickly we actually move through traumatic experiences and feelings. It, it's really quite amazing how transformative it is to be present with it, to, to be heart-centered, to just feel. And also when we do this with others and we allow them to be seen in what they're feeling. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. And um, the talk itself, you've covered so much and really given us tools that we can walk away with. Thank you. I'm going to ask the questions. And the very first question is, um, how can you sit with yourself with love when you're feeling so uncomfortable and also unhappy or disgusted with yourself what yeah. do you do then mm. yeah sometimes and this may or may not apply to you who asked the question but sometimes we feel very responsible for the traumatic events that have happened to us you know we feel like a direct cause of the upheaval or the loss of you know, our pre-trauma experience, like maybe, for example, we had a divorce and we're traumatized by the loss of the relationship and we feel it was our fault. And I think in these moments, you know, when you're going through a traumatic experience and you're feeling the pain and loss of something you once had, it's really important to implement self-forgiveness and self-love. And for me, the way that I do that is I remember that all of us beings on this planet, we're on a journey and there's a learning curve to this journey. And in any given moment, we are actually doing the best we can in that moment with what we have, the coping mechanisms we have, the um, experiences we've had. And sometimes we have things that we do because somewhere there's another part of us that's not healed. And we're trying to heal that in sort of a roundabout way. So it's really important that we first have self-forgiveness and give ourselves the same amount of unconditional love that we would give to another person, to a friend or a family member who might've gone through something similar. It's a good tool. You could sort of put yourself in the shoes of like someone you know and think if they have been through the same thing, what sort of advice you would give them for forgiving themselves and loving themselves? Because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And the way to really transform ourselves is through this ground, this fertile ground of self-love and self-forgiveness. That has to be number one. And we have to give ourselves at least as much care and benefit of doubt that we would give other people. We have to turn that compassion back to ourselves. Thank you. The next question that's come through is, um, how do you get in touch with your feelings 
when it's an old trauma and has been buried for years and you're stuck in your life with triggers um, that you mentioned, bringing out unsafe behavior. Yeah. So first of all, just the fact that someone knows there's an old trauma that's buried, that is the first awareness. That's a very important awareness. And that is obviously progress in the right direction. Um, but sometimes the traumatic things we've experienced, and especially depending on the age, they have been buried so deeply because we had to do that for survival, right? In order to face the world, we had to bury that experience as if it didn't exist. And so in those situations, it's really important to find safe places, safe people and safe containers where you can feel that you can open up and talk about that trauma. Because a lot of times we haven't felt that old trauma because it was just too much. It was just too big to feel on our own. But when we're in a safe container, a supportive environment, a group of people or a person that we can do that with, we actually feel like we have the support we need to feel through that. So I would say, find out for you what that support system would look like or who or what type of, whether it's heart-centered work, therapy, some kind of a group work, something that can help you to feel that in a safe environment. And a lot of the times, the reason we haven't felt it on our own is it was just too big. It was too much for us to handle alone. So I would definitely find, um, and you might try different things until you find that place where you can actually touch that most vulnerable place of yourself in order to feel and heal through it and let it go. Thank you. The next question is, how can I open my heart when all my life people have let me down romantically? Mm. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it's important that any time that we've been hurt, that we work on healing those experiences we've had within ourselves. And really, before we can fully open our heart, we have to be able to go through and feel what we've been through, the places where our trust has been broken, for example. And it kind of relates to what I said earlier, finding the methodologies that will help you to heal that part of you. Because, because what we have in that situation, whether it's romantic or not, when people have broken our trust again and again, is we have, we don't have the ability to keep trusting, right? We have this security wall around our heart and that can happen in relationships in general. Um, so we have to, it's really good if you can find a community or a group that does healing work to where you can start to have people that you can trust within that healing group. Because what we need to do is sort of rewire our nervous system to, to know that, okay, when I'm around these people, I actually can feel now that I can trust them. And in that way, we start to develop trust with people again, 
we have to reinforce that we can open up to people and it's really the people we're opening up to so we have to heal our nervous system and you know the emotional reflex in that way and find good people with whom we can trust because then we can start to heal that part of us that can't trust because now we're having some good experiences with people we can trust that has been for me very helpful to find those people I can trust and start to heal that inability to trust based on the past hurt. And also healing the past hurt is both are go together. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Um, the next question is coming from somebody who has a friend who's gone through a physical trauma um, and um, they've had a stroke and yes they understand that having loving energy amongst all the emotions um, and will aid the healing of a friend undergoing this condition the question is do they also attempt to share this new or fresh way of looking at the current trauma or not uh, or not now not being a good time to share this and allow things for settle and then just focus on being loving and judgmental right now yeah i think that that's a great question and the person asking has a very compassionate awareness you know to want to know if this is the right time and it really depends on how fresh the stroke is how fresh the the trauma is and and also you know you have to kind of know the person themselves generally how open they are yeah sorry it's just three days ago okay thank you yeah that is very fresh and so i definitely would not mention it now um and depending on also how much loss of physical capacity there is and mental capacity that's you know going to determine some of this but what's important right now to create a very supportive environment for your friend is to simply be present with them listen to what they're experiencing they're in a, a huge state of shock and it may take them quite a while to just move out of the loss of their pre-traumatic ability so if you stay present listen to how they're feeling just being a sounding board for them that can see and understand their pain is a huge healing in itself without trying to fix them. And then as time goes on, I would ask them, you know, what is it you need? What is it I can do in this moment? And I think intuitively you should get a sense when they're stabilized enough to bring in some of these concepts, um, but it really has to come from within them. They have to be allowed to go through their, what they need to feel. They need to go through the loss um, of their pre-stroke life. They need to feel that first. And they just need people to allow them to feel that. And then when they stabilize a bit, you can then go towards offering some ideas like this, um, but test the waters and see how ready they are to hear other people's input so that they stay open you know, to what you're sharing and to make sure you're supporting them where they need it right now. 
I can imagine with something like that, the, the stage of experiencing the loss itself before trying to rebuild their next new normal, it could take quite some time. So I would just slowly go in and rather just energetically be supportive and try to listen more. Thank you. The next question that's come through is, can you give examples of self-forgiveness? What do you say to yourself? Mm. Yeah, um, I think for me, self-forgiveness is all about self-love. And it really reaches into, for me, my belief system, right? Um, and my belief system is that we're all on this journey. We're all on a, a long journey. And a lot of the times, the way that we learn and we grow is by trial and error. And so I try to give myself this benefit of doubt that I'm doing the best I can in this moment. And I've always been doing the best I could based on where I was at with what I knew. And when we give ourselves that kind of benefit of doubt and also realizing that a large part of our forward movement is, is because we make mistakes and because we learn from the mistake. Um, I think that that allows me to forgive myself knowing that I'm not perfect, but that I do do my best with everything I experience to then move towards a higher level of awareness of consciousness and take that those lessons with me. And really the way that we forgive others and we, we have compassion for others, um, if we could start to look at that difference of how we have compassion for ourselves and forgiveness versus others, we can start to see this huge you know, gap sometimes. And if we can start to see that this way that I forgive others, how do I look at others in a similar situation? And we could write that down. You know, how would I, if my best friend had this same thing, what would I tell them? And then take that advice for ourselves. Because somewhere when, when we can't forgive ourselves, there is a lack of self-worth. There's something going on with our very core worthiness. And so we need to look at that, at, at finding ways to strengthen our own knowing that we are worthy of love that we are still lovable despite our mistakes and that we are works in progress like everybody else. So that's really important. And we have to find what things will help us strengthen that self-worth. Like for me, my meditation practice gave me a lot of awareness of who I am and what my strengths are and how to forgive myself, right? So you have to look for the tools that will sort of increase this core worthiness and make you as worthy as everyone else in your life. Because we're all worthy of love, the same love. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the next question that's come in, and I have to say, we have lots of questions. Are you okay to stay on for a little bit longer with us? To yes, sure. Thank yes. Thank you. So the next question is, I've acknowledged my feelings of sadness and loss during a grieving process. I feel I'm still in place B 
as the guilt of not being able to say my goodbyes are still preventing me from reaching place C. Am I using too much of my intellect? Hmm. I think my personal experiences, and depending on how long it's been, um, sometimes the, the amount of time we're in place B really varies, you know, depending on your personal experiences with similar type of loss or not having, and just how much that impacted your life overall, how much it affected your entire stability in life. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put a time limit on, on how much time you need to process that loss. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than other times. So allow yourself to have whatever time it is you need. And sometimes it's actually, if you feel like you have felt through it, if you feel like you've done the healing work around it in an emotional sense, then sometimes we actually need to bring the intellect and the intellect in the sense of our higher wisdom um, because sometimes we need to take a step now towards C. If we feel like, okay, I've done all of this healing work around this, I've really felt the loss, but I can't move on, then sometimes we need to sort of brainstorm a little bit of things we could try um, to move towards the new normal, what that is for us. And so, but I think it's really important to differentiate if you really have felt through the loss completely, or if you need someone to help you do that. And if you feel like you really have processed those feelings, then it might be time to come up with some new ways to think about, oh, what if I try this? Let me see how, how that maybe helps me create some newness in my life or gives me an idea of what I could do next, you know? But it really depends on if you have felt it completely and then you might be ready to use your intellect um, to go towards something new, to try something new. Because sometimes we just haven't moved on into sort of how to reinvent our life now. And sometimes we need to bring our intellect into that equation. I hope that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next question is, um, the individual is saying that they know their trauma, they've talked about it, and they felt it, and they've, you know, gone through that process, but it still keeps coming back. What's missing in the steps that she's or he are practicing? Why are they unable to move on? Mm. And are there any traps that they need to look for? Mm. Yeah, I think that in my experience, sometimes what we think was the trauma that we have processed, sometimes it goes even deeper than that, right? Like the first time we ever felt that type of feeling, maybe it goes back to early childhood and maybe there's something deeper 
that sort of created our response to that type of loss or trauma that we need to go into. And sometimes you need, you might need someone to help you navigate that, going back to that. Um, but as well as realizing the residual of something, like how it affects our nervous system or our reaction to things. So sometimes a trauma can be so impactful on ourself and our nervous system that even though we've gone back and we have actually gotten to understand when it happened at the very beginning, but sometimes it still can sort of create a knee-jerk reaction in us when a similar type of situation is sort of threatening us. And so if we understand that, that in these situations, this triggers me, then we can start to find ways to when that trigger comes up, to allow it to feel it completely and find the ways and the tools and the things that can move you consciously out of that space. Because if you feel that you have felt all the way back through that trauma and it still triggers you. So now the goal is to find out what is the solution when that trigger presents itself and you're aware of it. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to create a healthier response in yourself to that trigger? So let's say you get triggered and instantly it makes you, your reaction is to get upset um, to, to lash out, for example, at someone. So being aware of the trigger now, and you know where it comes from, you can step back and be more of an observer and make a more conscious decision as to how you want to react when this trigger comes up, right? It's like becoming more masterful with it. And, you know, maybe this thing that triggers you, it makes you shut down the opposite way and you don't speak up. So if you're aware of this, that, okay, now I'm being triggered and you're feeling that trigger of wanting to shut down, but this is where you can consciously make the other choice to go forward in face of that fear, um, in face of the trigger and try the solution that you've come up with. Because sometimes we have to do the opposite thing. We have to re-instill re the positive response and see ourselves being successful with that, even though it may not be the natural thing to do because the fear is wants to keep us, you know, reacting in the old way but we have to take a conscious positive step to sort of reverse in ourselves what this means and along that process of changing this trigger into now some kind of a triumph where you face that fear that trigger there's there's a lot of success and failure in that because it's habitual and it's deeply in our system. So we have to have a lot of self-forgiveness in that process. As you, it's like trial and error of seeing the trigger come up, feeling it, and then choosing how to respond consciously. And you have to be just very patient with yourself in that process and very loving. Um, gosh, we're really running over, but I will ask a couple more questions. Um, the next question is someone who's been in an abusive relationship of 18 years and their partner um, had the trauma of having an 
alcoholic, alcoholic father. And all that anger and rage from that relationship with the father, they take out on this particular person. And they're asking um, that they've tried to be positive, they've used meditation, but they've got to a point where they're fighting with their own belief system of forgive and all will be forgiven, or believe in miracles or positivity. Um, the partner when they're with other people are very have a lovely personality and are very generous and smiley, but all the anger comes out on this particular person. Um, what would you say? Yeah, this is a situation where the unresolved trauma of one person is traumatizing another person, right? So the, the partner who has a lot of unresolved trauma who may never resolve the trauma or choose to resolve the trauma is, is creating um, a very uncomfortable and very unhealthy situation for the other partner. So this is a this is a situation that is very practical. It's not a situation that you can just think positive and the abusive aspect goes away. And so in that situation, you have to have a lot of self-care and you need to have a support system. And if you cannot have a support system, whether it's your therapist or your family who knows the situation, people around you that can support you and who understand what's happening, that is another danger to this type of situation where you're not allowed to talk about it, for example. But if you cannot have a support system that can help you navigate the situation or how to get out of it, because it's not good to stay in an abusive situation. It's not good for you and it's not good for the abuser, right? So you need to have a support system to where you can navigate um, how you're going to move through or change the situation so that it's healthy for yourself. And if you are not allowed to have a support system, that's, that is a very dangerous type of situation where on the outside, everybody thinks everything is great, but internally there's this abuse going on. And so in that case, I would say it's important to find the solution to the, the place you can get to where you can have a support system so that you can do your own healing. Because this person obviously isn't taking responsibility for their healing and their pain is now becoming your pain. And it's not going to get better by wishing it away, which is what you've seen. So you have to find a way to support yourself within this situation. And if you cannot do that, you need to find a way to get into a situation where you can support yourself. That's really support yourself emotionally um, and in each way you need, because ultimately in this lifetime, we, we know we come alone, we go alone. And it's really up to us to make sure that we are um, loved, respected, and well taken care of. And if we cannot be that in our current situation, it's up to us to find a way to make that happen, right? Because everybody deserves to be respected, loved, cared for, et cetera. 
And a lot of times it's really knowing that on a very deep level that you are worthy of healthy, loving, and kind relationships, and that you're not willing to give your power away and to give your peace away because someone else isn't doing their healing. So it's a, it's a very tough thing to go through. Um, and you need to have people around you that can support you as you're going through this. Thank you, Josh. Um, and this is going to be the final question. The person is saying they had a lovely experience during the meditation, talking to their body and listening to their body. Um, and that was just uh, hearing what the body had to say just about today. Is it possible that the tense feeling in their gut is actually from previous traumas that they weren't aware of? Yes, that's a good observation. Um, because everything is, is really energetic, right? So when we have emotions, experiences that create emotion, it also creates an energy, you know, it creates an impact on our nervous system. And that ultimately those emotions and energies can impact our body because our body is very much connected to the vibrations we're emitting, our thoughts, feelings, etc. So a lot of times our past traumas can get stored in the physical body, or we're feeling the energetic place where it is when we're listening to the body. And if you notice, for example, that in your solar plexus or your stomach, there is a very tight feeling as you start to listen in, then it means something there is stuck, right? Um, it could be energetic, it could be something physically going on. And so the first step is to listen and to ask what it needs. And there are also ways to, to work with people to kind of follow the breadcrumbs, right? You can start with what you're feeling in that part of your body and ask that part of your body and that feeling, when was the first time you ever felt this feeling? So for example, let's say when I'm listening to the body, I feel my throat sort of tightened up. And when I'm really present with it, I can ask, when is the first time I ever felt this? And maybe it will take me to when I was eight years old and I was told that I had to just listen and I can't talk, right? So that's a good indication. I can sort of follow these breadcrumbs through the feeling space to find where this started, where this energetic block started. And you can work with people to follow that breadcrumbs because sometimes, sometimes that's helpful too. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. Thank you so much. Christina, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Um, the talk has been fantastic with so much information and tools. Um, that you've shared with us. There's been a lot of gratitude that's been coming through in the chat and in the link um, for your sharings and insights. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here with you, Arthi, and with everyone on the call. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so really much. Really appreciate it.